Welcome into another edition of NBA Sound System. Carlin Gay alongside Kyle Irving and Scott Rafferty. We're going to wrap you or whip you around, rather, the NBA and the week that was. Carmelo Anthony came out. He played his first game for the Portland Trailblazers. We did an entire 30-minute breakdown. Scott, Micah, and I, Mike Adams, that is. Uh, you can listen to that right now on NBA Sound Systems feed. So we'll skip that. We'll act as though he didn't actually play because you go and listen to our thoughts on what he did in his first game and what we think the Portland Trail Blazers will look like beyond uh, that first game. But I want to start with another duo that really made their debut this season, and that is uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They played their first game against the Boston Celtics together for the Los Angeles Clippers. Tightly contested game, went to overtime, had really everything in that game. It felt like a finals game. It really felt like a playoff game uh, between two teams that could maybe somehow meet each other in the finals uh, come June. But your first initial thoughts on how you saw the marriage between Paul George and, uh, and Kawhi Leonard. All things considered, I, I was pretty encouraged by how they looked. Um, Kawhi didn't have a great game. He shot seven for 20. Paul George was was okay. I mean, all things, I mean, he's coming back from, from the injury. So um, it, it was a pretty good night for him, all things considered. I, I just think like there's little things about this team that served as a reminder about how scary they are. They start the game with Kawhi and Paul George. They bring Lou Will off the bench. Um, Trez is out there shortly after. They can just have a guy on the court at all times who can create um, create all, with by themselves. And they also have one of the best rollers in the league in, in Trez. And we really saw in overtime how just even running a pick and roll with him with two other guys spotting up is just so difficult to defend because of the rotations that the defense has to make. So it, it wasn't a great game by the Clippers. It was ugly. They had a lot of turnovers. But considering this was their first game together, I am pretty encouraged by it. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I mean, you saw a lot of potential of how scary this team can be. And I think it's worth noting uh, something that you had mentioned to me earlier, that they did all this without Landry Shamit, who's one of their big spot-up uh, perimeter three-point shooters. And that's a big deal for you know two players like Kawhi and Paul George, who you know they attract so much attention going to the rim. Lou Will and uh, Trez draw so much attention going to the rim in pick-and-roll situations. But all in all, I want to go back to how you were talking about um, how Paul George and Kawhi didn't exactly have their best game. And it, it seemed like a lot of that was because it was a lot of your turn, my turn, basketball and offense. Uh, there, wasn't a lot, there wasn't a lot of fluidity to the offense. It seemed like Kawhi was forcing shots at times. Paul George was forcing shots at times. And I think that's something that, you know, it's not going to take very long because very, very long for these two players to get used to playing with each other. Um, they play in different areas of the floors, and I think eventually they're going to get used to playing alongside each other, and it's going to look really pretty once they do. But last night it was a little bit choppy, and I think that's why the result was as close as it was. It was a three-point win for the Clippers. It took overtime to get it done. Kawhi Leonard finished with 17 points. Paul George finished with 25. Lou Williams came off the bench game 27. Both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard committed five turnovers in that game. And that was interesting to me because that means that they were overthinking. And as a team, they racked up the turnovers, uh, the, the Clippers. You know, they, they, they turned the ball over 23 times against the Boston Celtics. Granted, Boston is a really good defensive team. They did a good job on both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George at parts of the game, in certain parts of the game. But I'll say, you know, it. The, Turning the ball over that much means to me that you're not together. You're not on the same page. And I think it's going to take a lot more time to get this unit to really gel because let's face it, Kawhi Leonard's not an easy guy to play with. We watched it last year with the Toronto Raptors. They plugged him in there, and that Raptor team was already built. They already knew how to play without Kawhi Leonard 
coming into the season, or they were really replacing one guy. They were replacing DeMar DeRozan and entering Kawhi Leonard, a much better player, but they were replacing one guy. This and, Clippers and similar, team... Kind of similar stylistically, too, in terms of how bold dominant they are. Yeah, and but this Clippers team is bringing two different players into what was the core, what the core remains, and that's Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, Patrick Beverly. That's it. It, it. There's not much continuity there. So I don't know that they're going to have enough time to really gel, and I don't know that we'll truly see the Clippers peak this season. And that that that's me saying that I still think the Lakers are the better team. I still think the Lakers would beat the Clippers on a seven-game series if it came down to it. I'm just not as sold as you guys are on this Clippers team just waltzing through the Western Conference. I I will say this about Kawhi. I I don't think he looked great last night. I think he missed, what, three straight games um, with the the knee injury or the load management. And and one clear sign of that to me, as Kyle said, he, he forced a lot of shots, settled for some jump shots. But in 37 minutes, he didn't attempt a single free throw. And I think that happened twice all of last season that he didn't attempt a free throw in a game. And both those games were, I believe, 20-point blowouts. Um, that, that, that's a big sign. You know, he had that big dunk over Tice, which which sparked a run for the Clippers. But other than that, I don't think it, Kawhi didn't look like himself in that game. Um, and that, I, I don't think him returning to the player that he was or that he can be is going to get rid of all those problems that you just mentioned because I do think there is going to be a transition period. Um, but I think him being the player that he can will, will help in a, obviously a very big way. I think something that's important to note too is that you have a player like Kawhi who is good at closing games. You have a player like Paul George who's a closer. Lou Will is a closer. And last night, I mean, I don't want to call it a crisis averted because they won the game, but I mean, Patrick Beverly was the one that was stepping up and knocking down big threes. And that's obviously not going to be, or you wouldn't assume that that would be the case uh, come down the stretch of, you know, the end of the season and end of the playoffs. So that's another thing that they're going to have to figure out is, you know, are they riding the hot hand or does someone consistently take that last shot? It's going to be, you know, that's a decision-making uh, process for Doc Rivers and the players themselves just trying to figure out, all right, you you have the hot hand, you take the shot tonight. Or is it, you know, Kawhi, you take the shot every time. PG, you take the shot every time. You're absolutely right about that being a process. And when you say that, you it, the process is the regular season. But if Kawhi Leonard is in and out of the lineup, how do you expect this team to gel? That's why I, I'm, I'm not as sold as you guys on them just getting to the finals. Like I said, I, I really think that the Lakers are in pole position in the Western Conference as a team to beat when it comes down to a seven-game series just because they just had – we've seen virtually no growing pains with this unit. There is a clear hierarchy. There is LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and it drops off and everyone else. Whereas the Clippers – you have different pieces that fit different holes. Lou Williams is a closer. You know, Montrose Harrell is that grit guy, but can he play more than 35 minutes in a playoff series? Probably not. Zubats is a young, nice, talented player. I don't trust him when it comes down to a playoff series to guard another big, a superstar big, mainly Anthony Davis or even, even a lesser big, Clint Capella. Zubats is going to have his hands full with a guy like that. Granted, do I still think the Clippers are a better team than the, the Rockets? Yes, but there are problems, and it's not going to be easy for them to get to, to the finals. I just want to double back real quick. I have the Houston Rockets going to the Western, going to the NBA Finals out of the Western Conference. I don't have the LA Clippers. But, well, well, you still think that the Lakers, the Clippers, well, Scott Scott believes that the the Clippers are still the clear cut favorite in the Western Conference, correct? I mean, I think the. 
I don't think it's as clear as it was entering. I was I was very high on the Clippers entering the season. Um, I am pleasantly surprised by what the Lakers have been able to do, and they've been much better than than I thought they would be. Uh, I still like the potential and the ceiling of this Clippers team. And again, that's not saying that they don't have things that they have to work out because they do. For everything you just mentioned, Kawhi is not the easiest player to play alongside. He's going to be in and out of the lineup. Paul George is coming off of two shoulder surgeries in the offseason. You know, they've got to figure out a way to get Lou Will. How can he get his, his touches next to them? I just think if they can figure it out, and I do believe that they can, um, they're going to be a monster offensively. And we haven't even talked about them defensively. They look great um, against the Celtics last night. Even something, it was even beyond Kawhi and Paul George and Patrick Beverly. Having the luxury of uh, Mo Harkless, just being able to put him on someone like Kemba Walker um, and have him guard him for 20 minutes, 25 minutes and things like that. Like this team is just has so much depth on the wings, so many long rangy guys who can match up with the best players in the league. Um, so I think when you put that all together, I'm still very high on this team. Scott, I think you and I have talked about Mo Harkless more than anybody this entire <laughs> season. I, I think, you know, that addition is going to be invaluable this uh, come this postseason. I mean, he's a guy that has playoff experience. He can guard pretty much one through five. I mean, he's up for any task. You know, he spent a little bit of time on Kemba Walker last night just to get, you know, some extra height over a shorter <laughs> guard and make things difficult for him, make life difficult for him. Right. And you're right. I mean, down the stretch, you know, you're seeing uh, the Celtics try and run these pick and rolls, try and get switches that they want. And it's like, all right, so, you know, Kemba has the ball in his hands. Jason Tatum comes up to set a screen. They get a switch. Well, they're switching Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It's it's a scary sight. The playoffs, we know, is all about matchups. That's that's what it is all about. So, And Kyle's already said that he is in favor of the Rockets to make the finals. I believe it's the Lakers uh, for reasons being that. I, I just think when the playoffs come around, you're going to have a tough time finding – a defense good enough that's going to be able to stop a peak LeBron James and a peak Anthony Davis, which, you know, they've played nice in the regular season. We really haven't seen them at their peak, either of them right now. And I'm not saying that we've seen the Clippers at their peak either. The Clippers, of course, when they're at their peak, they're going to be really, really good. I just like the Laker matchup better. And something that nobody's really talking about, if the Lakers and Clippers played, yes, they're playing in the same arena, and typically when you play in that same arena or, or when, you, when you're playing in a playoff series, it's going to be a home and away sort of situation. It's going to be seven home games for the Lakers. That Clipper fan base, yes, the team is good, but the brand is not where it needs to be when you, when you compare it to what the Lakers brand is. It's not even close. Like they could play that game on the moon and there will be more Laker fans there than Clipper fans. And I think that's going to matter because in the playoffs, you're energized by your home crowd and and that will mean more for the Laker role players than it would for the Clipper role players because those role players, once they get rolling and the, that crowd gets behind them, the Troy Daniels of the world might have a nice game. The the Quinn Cooks of the world might have one nice game, and that's going to matter in the postseason. Yeah, it's important. I think last night or uh, in that game against the Celtics, at times it was like, this sounds like a Boston home game. You know, when they were going to the monitor for the 19th, 20th time in the game, you could hear let's go Celtics in the background. That's a Clippers home game. That's an issue. Yeah, big time. Uh, so... Still, if you had to answer the question right now, you have Kyle, you have the Houston Rockets in the finals? I like the Houston Rockets. I just think that it's going to be a big year for James Harden and Russell Westbrook to step up and you know silence all the haters because you know every year it's, oh, they do it during the regular season, but they can't do it during the playoffs. And I don't know. I just have a weird feeling in my gut that this year they prove it in the playoffs. Scott, you still have the Clippers? I have the Clippers, but I have one thing to uh, piggyback off what you were saying. There's no denying that Anthony Davis is a tough matchup for any team in the league, but specifically for the Clippers just because they don't have the big men who can really match up with him. 
However, I don't think there are two defenders better suited to guard LeBron James in this league right now than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and they play on the same team. I'm not saying that they're going to shut him down because even when Kawhi won MVP, uh, finals MVP in that series, he got a lot of it for how he defended LeBron. LeBron still put up monster numbers um, you know, by anyone's standards. But if those guys can make it difficult enough for LeBron, I do think that will help um, level the playing field or even give you know the Clippers the edge in that matchup. Well, that's why they play the games, and that's what we'll see hopefully will come you know, May. That would be – I mean, I really want to see that series. I, I'm di- After game one – you guys say, and, and I don't remember saying this, I, I, you guys say that I was out on the Lakers and I was all in on the Clippers. Yeah, 100% you were. I, I don't remember saying that. But Christmas Day is coming up, and that game between those two teams is going to be incredible. But I want to see a seven-game series between the – I don't think I've been more excited for a playoff series between two teams than I have these two. I'm, I'm ready for – if we don't get that series in the playoffs, I will be crushed. Is, is Kawhi playing on Christmas Day? Do we think he is? He has to, right? Sounds like load management to me. <laughs> That's another topic for another time. Let's move on and talk about another contender, this time in the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia 76ers. They're 9-5 and five right now as we record. They're sitting in fourth place, fifth place in the Eastern Conference. And it sounds to me, when I listen to pundits outside of ourselves, like most people are lukewarm on their chances of really contending this season. Let's also make note. Ben Simmons hit a three-pointer, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he did. He banged a three-pointer. Sharpshooter. Looking like Ray Allen. It was it, it, I thought it was uncontested or I thought it was heavily contested. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I did when I saw it and we looked it up nba.com according to nba.com they said it was wide open. Not, and not and we open. watched it back again and it's, we did. it's 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 an it's an open shot. It was a late closing Mitchell Robertson. He had his hands in his pocket on his way out there. But he knocked down a three. He's one for one in his career on actually an actual threes in a regular season. I know he's taking some like long heaves that really didn't matter. On actual threes, he's one for one in his career. He's shooting 100%. I am going to start the campaign to have him in a three-point contest in Chicago at the All-Star Game. Hopefully you guys join the bandwagon. Ben for three uh, at the All-Star Game in Chicago. But... With that being said, I'm still on board with the 76ers making the playoffs. I still have the Lakers and 76ers. Sorry, the, the finals. I still have the Lakers and the 76ers in the finals. That is, a, I, did I pick the Raptors? I can't remember who I picked, but I still think that the, you, the 76ers. I, I think this is, you flip flop a lot. I, I think do. that's been pretty clear. But if you ask me today, I still have the 76ers as a team that could make the finals in the East. When we talk about it off there, you guys make me feel like I'm, I'm out of my mind. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think this team can absolutely make the finals. I picked them. Um, they, they were my choice to come out of the East heading into the season. I don't feel as good about that right now uh, for reasons I'm sure we'll get into. But I, I still think there's a, definitely a chance that this team could make the finals and uh, come out of the Let's East. Let's get into it right now. What, what, what is holding you back from making you believe that this team will, won't make the final? Like, I don't, I don't get it. There's, this is the team that you should have expected coming into the season. The, the two things that jump out to me, I, I expected Ben Simmons to take um, the next step, which he, he hasn't yet. Made three points in one game aside. 
he needs to take more than one three every 12 games for that to to really make a difference and also they they need a closer and i don't know if they have that guy right now and they that's not to say they can't figure that out and get that guy but right now they don't have that so those are the two things that stand out to me that are going to hold this the closer is an absolute valid point i agree they probably need to figure out who their closer was and and i think i'm for one that thinks that it's already on their team they just have to figure out who it is but the when you say that Ben Simmons needs to take the makes next step, it makes it sound like if he's not shooting threes, then it prevents the 76ers from making the finals. I just want you to clarify that because if someone's listening right now, they're just going to say that, well, Scott's saying that if he's not shooting threes and they have no chance of making the finals. I don't think that that's what you mean. So, so what, what are you talking about when he, he's not making threes? What's the next step? I, I, they could still make the finals if Ben Simmons doesn't shoot threes. But – the the discouraging thing to for me to this point of the season is that he just hasn't it's not even just threes he hasn't looked to take any jump shots um any mid-range jump shots anything like that right. and the way that that impacts his team because they got rid of the they, they lost their best shooter this offseason in jj reddick um josh richardson can shoot threes tobias harris can shoot threes joel and b can shoot threes al hofer can shoot threes they're not exactly volume three-point shooters or i guess snipers like guys that teams are gonna really really respect from there so that's just going to cramp spacing even more if Ben Simmons doesn't even to look to shoot jump shots. And I think it, it may sound something very small um, in the big scheme of things, but that's going to hurt their their offense. It hurts their offense in the regular season, but it's going to hurt it even more in the postseason. And we saw that last season too, um, because basically that they used they basically parked him in the dunker spot um, in that series against the Raptors, and it was the Jimmy Butler show. He was the point guard on that team. So unless Ben Simmons can kind of play make more with the ball in his hands in those games and look to shoot more um I, the, the the ceiling for this team is a bit lower i don't know that I, I won't i don't know everyone always brings up that he was parked or the bus was parked the simmons bus was parked really on that uh raptor series but let's not forget it took an amazing shot to eliminate that team and the team that beat them went on and won the championship so they even though ben simmons was non-factor in that playoff series it still took a buzzing, buzzer-beating shot to get them out of the playoffs with Joel Embiid playing horribly all playoff long. Sure, and They're I, a really good team. I, I mean, I just said they can still make the finals. I just think their ceiling is lower if Ben Simmons isn't going to look, not even threes, just any jump shot. Listen, I think it's, it's an issue that he is just completely shying away from shooting any shots outside of right around the rim. But at the same time, that's not even my number one issue with Ben Simmons right now. My number one issue with Ben Simmons is that I don't think he plays aggressive enough at times. I think he's too passive at times. And it seems like, you know, there's just nights where he's just going through the motions. And he's supposed to be the motor of that team. He's supposed to be, you know, the one that's bringing the energy night in and night out. And, you know, as a point guard and a leader, you really have to showcase that every single night. And he just doesn't do that sometimes. Um, listen, I mean, I think it's it's encouraging that he shot that three-pointer last night and it did look smooth for what it's worth and I think that he needs to follow in Giannis's footsteps a little bit in a sense where Giannis is taking these threes and he's not afraid to miss them and I hope that now that he's gotten that one out of the way that he's more willing to take them even if they don't fall and that's going to be big for the 76ers but Scott like you said I think it's an issue that they're missing that sharpshooter and they are really missing a closer and Carlin I don't know if I agree with you in the sense that that closer is on this team but I mean they're going to have to find a way to make it be somebody that's already on this team because I'm not sure exactly what moves the 76ers team has to make. I don't know if it's Tobias Harris. I, I know we've talked about it before. It's tough to have your center as that guy, you know, who you're feeding 
you know, possession after possession to be the closer. That's a lot on Joel Embiid, especially someone who turns the ball over a lot. So maybe it's Simmons that has to step up. Maybe it's Tobias Harris. I don't know if it can be either of them, and I think that's part of the issue with this team. I think it can be either of them. I think they both have the tools to be able to close. I also want to bring up the fact that we're talking about three-point shooting as a team. The Sixers aren't necessarily a bad shooting team right now. They're sitting middle of the pack at 34.6% as a team. That's better from three-point range than the Houston Rockets and the Milwaukee Bucks, who most people would assume, just because of their volume, that they are a better three-point shooting team than those two squads out there. So this is a good enough three-point shooting team in my money, for my for, in my book. I think it comes down to matchups. Uh, I think they're going to be tough to play in the playoffs. They're still a really good defensive team. Uh, and, you know, like I said, they got eliminated last season on a buzzer beater to the team that eventually won the NBA championship. If that ball bounces out, we could be sitting here talking about whether or not the Sixers could be repeating. They also don't have Jimmy Butler this year, though. And Jimmy Butler was phenomenal in the playoffs last year. I mean, he was the one that stepped up as their closer. He was the one that had the ball in his hands, running pick and rolls, making sure the offense was in motion well. Ben Simmons at times was kind of just parked at the block extended on the baseline in that dunker spot. Um, But I also want to note that I'm not out on this 76ers team going to the finals. I still think they're more than capable of that. And honestly, with all the injuries and, I mean, Embiid's been dealing with a little bit of knee issues. He had that suspension. Ben Simmons had a shoulder injury. Josh Richardson's starting to miss time with a hip injury. We haven't seen this team at full strength since opening night against the Celtics, and they, they looked pretty good against the Celtics on opening night. So I don't, I don't think that we can completely give an honest opinion on this team. You can give honest opinions on individual players, but I don't know if we can give honest opinions on the team as a whole until we see them play more games at full strength. And going back to your point about Ben Simmons' aggression, we, we've talked a, a lot about it before, Kyle, but it's even beyond like another layer to the, the shooting thing for him is that he's, his free throw attempts are down to 3.2 per game right now. That is the lowest mark of his career. Um, he's not been a good free throw shooter, and I think that's that's a pretty clear sign to me. Um, like he he just doesn't he doesn't look to draw contact that much. He doesn't he's not aggressive in that way, um, and, and that's a pretty clear sign to me. But another thing that I do like about this team, um, I, I like specifically how they match up with the Bucks, who is pro- which is probably going to be the team that they're going to have to go through to make the finals. Um, they're going to make that series really ugly if they meet. And I specifically, I like how Ben Simmons, Al Horford, Joel Embiid, they have different big bodies they can throw at Giannis. And while that's not probably going to be enough to completely stop Giannis because no one can, um, I, I do think they can make it difficult enough for him um, to, to help the Sixers win in that series. I'm on the record, as you guys know, that uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are out of it for me. I sit here recording end of the middle of November telling you that the Milwaukee Bucks, they can make the finals. They just won't win an NBA championship with Eric Bledsoe as their starting point guard. I won't go on that rant. You could listen to my rant from last week's episode right here on NBA Sound System. Let's move on and talk about a guy who is absolutely tearing the league up. Luka Doncic in his second season is almost averaging, it's not even really the second season, it's 14 games as we record right now into his second season is 0.4 assist away from averaging a triple double uh he had one of the quickest triple doubles and doubles in nba history in a blowout win on national tv everyone's losing their minds they beat the warriors uh in dallas the mavericks are playing okay you know they they look like a team that's going to make the playoffs where in your mind is luka Doncic when you look at the mvp ladder right now we know harden we know Giannis, but where and and we know lebron 
But where's Luka Doncic? Is he in that mix, or is he still a rung lower than those three guys? I think he's sitting at four right now. Um, I would go Giannis, Harden, LeBron, and then Luka. And I think that he has a legitimate chance to win MVP, but a lot of it has to do with how his team does. If he can't get the Mavericks to the playoffs, if he can't get them higher than a seven seed in the playoffs, I think they'd have to be around five or six for him to have a legitimate case to win the MVP. I mean, you're going to look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, who could you know, have his team winning 60 games again at the top of the Eastern Conference. And then if Harden and LeBron both have the Rockets and Lakers you know, sitting in the top four seeds, even if, even if Luka were to bring an unexpected Mavericks team to a five or six seed in the West, that's going to be tough for him to win MVP, even if he's averaging a 30-point triple-double. Um, I think he is a legitimate MVP candidate. What he's doing right now is incredible. But at the same time, and this is not to discredit what Luka's doing. This is more to discredit the Mavericks record at this point. They've only played four teams with a winning record. Right. And, you know, they're two and two and go two and two in those games. And the Lakers game was a hard fought loss. And, you know, it seems like this team has what it takes to get to the playoffs, but I just need to see more. They have a big stretch coming up and it's, you know, that's going to be a prove it moment if, for me. If the Mavericks finish fifth or sixth, as Kyle was saying, is that really unexpected? I, I really thought that this Mavericks team on paper coming into the season should be a playoff team and should probably fit in that five, six, seven range. So why are we talking about Luka winning the MVP truly if that's where his team falls? I, I think they almost have to be like a three or four seed for him to win MVP, honestly. Um, Russell Westbrook, I think, became the first player since Moses Malone in 1981 to win MVP on a team that didn't re- reach 50 wins, at and, least 50 wins. And it took him averaging a triple-double to do that. I mean, Luka's basically posting the same numbers right. as but he did, did but for it's an also, entire season. Right. And, and the other thing to that, that MVP race wasn't as competitive as this one's going to be. Like, like, Russ did not have to deal with what Giannis is doing, what LeBron is doing. Obviously, James Harden's gone up to an even higher level since then, and he finished second MVP voting that season. So I, I think he's a legit MVP candidate right now. I agree with Kyle. I think he's in that fourth range, but I don't see him becoming a finalist um, ahead of those guys, assuming they keep playing the LeBrons, the Giannis, and... Um, who am I forgetting? Who, who's James the other? Harden. Thank you, James Harden. Assuming they continue to play the right they are, um, I, I don't think Luke is going to be a finalist unless he gets this Mavs team to a third or fourth seed in the West. I also realize that everyone makes it wants to make the comparison that if you know if Luca does end up in that conversation for winning MVP, he is averaging close to a triple double. We'll just say he's averaging a triple double, point four assists. Russ averaged a triple double, yes, but he never had anyone as talented as Kristaps Porzingis on his team. Second best player is probably Victor Oladipo and maybe Steven Adams. And then on top of it, he was incredible in the clutch. He was he was he was one of the best clutch players in the league, if not the best clutch player in the league that season. So it wasn't just that he averaged a triple double. He was playing out of his mind that season. Yeah, I, I think that's I think people just forget that with Russ about how clutch he was that season. And to your point, I, I don't think it matters. Like, if Luka averages 30, 10, and 9.2, that should not make a difference between him getting more MVP votes if he averages 0.8 assists more per game. Like, it, it's just an arbitrary thing. Like, we, we don't, just because he averages a triple-double shouldn't make him more of an MVP candidate. Um, I, I just, even if he posts those numbers, a lot of it is going to hinge on how well the Mavs do. That's, that's ultimately what this comes down to. Winning still has to matter at some point, right? Yeah, no, winning absolutely has to matter. And I think that... You know, kind of like I was just saying with Giannis and Harden and LeBron, you can almost, I don't know if I would say guarantee, but you can, you know, injuries and stuff aside, you can almost guarantee that those teams are probably all going to finish, you know, Bucks probably top three in the East, Lakers and Rockets 
top four in the West, I would say. So I think when it comes down to Luca and the Mavs, I mean, even if, you, you know, some people had them in that five, six range, some people had them in the seven, seven, eight range. I don't, I think that if he can't prove that what he's doing is more special than what LeBron is doing and what James Harden's doing and what Giannis is doing and his team is winning games on top of that, just like theirs are, I just don't see how he separates himself from those three players. All right. I agree. There you have it. Luka Doncic not winning MVP. Said right here on NBA Sound System has no shot at it. Absolutely no shot. So all the betters out there, uh, don't waste your money putting anything down on Luka Doncic's seven to one odds of winning the MVP trophy. He's actually fourth right now behind James Harden, who is a clubhouse leader, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and LeBron James. That's according to Bet Online. Luka Doncic fourth at seven to one odds. But don't waste your money. These guys said no chance of him winning MVP. Uh, let's move on, and I want to chat about actually. Well, actually, this is what I want to talk you about. I want to. Yeah, I, 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 we we looked at so this year, this week, it's all about the city jerseys, and uh, I was down in Miami and had a chance to actually see their city jersey. It's awful. I mean, it is it is awful, uh, it, 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 and it might be one of the better ones that I've seen throughout the league. The Celtics unveiled their city jersey today as we record. The Hawks played it on national, or not national TV, but they played it against the Bucks in their city jersey. It's just a black and gold jersey. Nothing special about it. The Mavericks Comics, Comics Sans jersey. Come on, knock it off. The Bulls baby blue jerseys. I could go on and on. The city jerseys need to stop. And Nike, granted, we probably will never sponsor. I mean, we're probably going to ruin our sponsorship opportunity with Nike of yeah, this podcast right now. Stop talking right now. <laughs> but come on. We, uh, we, the the Houston Rockets owed to uh, Nassau. Give me a break. Those almost look like Toronto Raptors jerseys. A lot of them are not. There's no creativity in any of them. Whoa, the fonts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, hold on. Hold you, on. You're, you're taking it too far now. You're no, far. no, I'm not. The fonts stink on all of them. The the what does the the Clippers have to do with San Andreas, the video game? Knock it off. Okay, Get what, that out of here. What do, you, what do you have wrong with Denver's? What's wrong with Denver's? Because I, I think that's probably the best jersey out of the lot. And I there's no like creativity. Jersey. None. They just took the exact same jersey they had and made it black. That's not it. That's not anything special. It looks clean though. Being clean and being creative is two different things. Uh, I, I I like Orlando's by the way. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, again, I want to make it clear I am colorblind. I was so just going to say you're you actually legitimately colorblind. So <laughs> I don't know that you're the authority on the city jersey conversation, and you actually picked the worst one out of the bunch, the <laughs> gray and orange. No, I, I like it. I like it. My it's favorite, different. my favorite were the Minnesota Timberwolves. Baby, I thought those are nice. The yeah, baby blue. Yeah, feed me the baby blue. Minnesota St. Paul. I like those a lot. Also, Minneapolis St. Paul. Sorry. Well, what do you have wrong with Poland's? Poland's is looking pretty clean too. It looks no different than their actual jersey. I mean, it looks clean though. It's supposed to be a throwback. I like Portland's. Portland's solid. I would say, I mean, the Mavericks, like you said, they are kind of like Comic Sans. It's like a graffiti. I'm just not really sure what they're what they're going with there. I actually don't hate the Bulls baby blue either for what it's worth. I mean, that is like my favorite color pretty much. So it kind of, you know, a little bit of favoritism there. But I also think they probably should have just left the Bulls logo the same. The Celtics ones, I don't know what's going on there. They have like the, you know, Irish pub font, what I, which I like. But all in all, I mean, I, I don't really like the color scheme of it. Um, and I I guess I agree that some of these aren't as creative, but I also don't hate them. I don't hate them. I think it's a I good switch up. I like. Phillies. I can't stand them all. Phillies they all look bad. horrible. Every all thirty of them look bad. And the only one that I'll give respect to is the San Antonio Spurs because they have the military camouflage, you know, on, honoring the uh, of course the military. So there is a meaning. There's meaning behind it. It's bigger than basketball. All these other ones, I understand. There's meaning and there's some tie to the city, 
but they're garbage. All of them are garbage. There's not a single one that's even decent. They have no creativity. The Rip City one is the exact Rip City one that they wore three years ago. I like Utah's on top of that too. So I'm just listing off probably like five or six that I like. I think I'm on the I'm on the right side of the I like these city jerseys. I also don't hate the Bucks one. I really don't. Cream I, City's kind of tough. It, it's I, I don't hate it. I just need to let some of that hate out. How do you hot? I am it's not right good. now. You, mean, well, you guys are sitting on the fence with all other. Uh, Kyle's actually not. He's, he feels like we're not sitting on the fence. We're telling you which ones we like. You, you feel like you're going to go buy these jerseys. Not a single person is going to spend anywhere between 80 to 120 bucks on any of these jerseys. All of these jerseys are going to sit on the rack and end up at like Dick's Sporting Goods on the, on the uh, 20% off rack at the end of the season. These jerseys are horrible minus the Spurs military jersey. Period. You're wrong, but that's okay. Yeah, you'll see you'll see people in the crowd rocking these jerseys. That's why Nike rolls them out. I mean, it's just another chance for them to, you know, have people buy a different jersey, have someone rep a different jersey. I don't know. I I like them. I think I'm I'm in on the city jerseys if we're going one side or the other. Nike, if you're listening, don't print a lot of these. A lot of them are bad. Uh, while we're on the Spurs topic, I actually wanted to bring this up because you guys had a good chat. You could find that on NBA.com on whether or not the Spurs should panic in San Antonio. We know that they have the longest streak in terms of making the playoffs in the entire NBA. We know that they really haven't started the season the way they wanted to. We know that the Western Conference is a lot better. It's 22 years of playoff success. They lost seven consecutive games at the time of recording this. And they lost to the Wizards. At what point did we hit the panic button in San Antonio? That's the that's weird thing about the Spurs is that last year they were, they were dominant at home. Um, I have their record right in front of me right here somewhere. They were 32-9 and nine at home all of last season. They've already lost four games at home this season, um, including that game I believe you just mentioned um that they're just they're not taking care of business at home and that's that's a big difference for this team i think defensively too it's an issue um i mean you just mentioned they lost to the wizards that was basically a battle between two of the most matador defenses in the nba right now um which is why the final score was 138 132 but i don't think it's time to worry about the spurs just yet i think i mean they went through a stretch that was pretty bad at the beginning of last season as well and i feel like people were starting to have this conversation is that playoff streak going to end and then they rattled off nine out of 11 games, um, you know, in I think it was December. And then again, after the All-Star break, they went on a nine game win streak. So all of a sudden, this team goes from a team that was at, you know, about 500 to a team that's solidified themselves as a playoff team. And right. this isn't that different from a ro- from the roster that they had last year. This isn't that different from the roster that, you know, took the Nuggets as far as they could in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And I think that this team eventually will click. I don't think that they're really that, like, defense. I don't think there's that big of an issue with the talent defensively. Yeah, I don't know why they're as bad as they, they are on defense, given the, the makeup of this team. I don't, I don't know if it's effort. I don't know if it's just they're not rotating or communicating. But I feel like it's a fixable issue for Coach Popovich. And offensively, they've still been fine. So I think eventually the Spurs will start clicking. I think they'll make the playoffs for uh, in North American sports record 23rd year in a row. This is it. This is it. This is the end of the Spurs run making the playoffs. And I'll tell you why. It's less to be do about them, more to do about the rest of the teams in the Western Conference. As we record right now, Lakers, Nuggets, Rockets, Clippers, Mavericks, Jazz, Suns, Timberwolves, and I'll throw you in the Kings because they're just have a game out of the playoffs right now. 
which one of those teams are going to take a Geronimo drop and end up outside of the playoffs right now? I, I would not be shocked if the Timberwolves and Suns miss the playoffs. So that that's two spots right there. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if the Kings didn't make the playoffs. So that's three spots. And the Spurs are only, what, three games behind the eighth seed right now. So so it is it is way too early to, to count them out of making the playoffs, I think. Um, whether or not they can turn this around is a different question, but it, it's it's still too soon to count. Will they turn it around? I don't. I, I actually don't know if they're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't think they will. Um, I, I think it's going to be close. I still think they could do it. I just, I, I'm not sure they. I, I'm not sure they do. You gave me like five answers right there. I don't think they will. I think. They're I mean, close. I, I said I think they no. I don't it. think they're going to make the playoffs. Kyle. Spurs make the playoffs this year. They're going to turn it around. I think that, like I said, this defense is a fixable issue with Popovich, and I think he'll figure that out. Uh, I would say, just because I've been a Phoenix guy, Phoenix Suns guy this year, I'm just going to continue to ride the Phoenix Suns. So I'm going to say the Minnesota Timberwolves are the team that falls out for San Antonio. To, yeah, to you, you, you came on this very podcast and called them your Suns, so you better not say that they're going to make or miss the playoffs. Um, is there a trade to make for the San Antonio Spurs? And if so, which way does it go? Do they give up a star in either – LaMarcus Aldridge or DeMar DeRozan and sort of start over or do they try and get someone that's going to help them make the playoffs for the 23rd year in a row we talked a bit about this a little in the last not the mellow podcast but the one before that I mean DeRozan's the player that they'd move if they're going to move anyone I think he's eligible for a contract extension there's been reports about them discussing a contract extension with him even in the offseason and the fact that they haven't even reached uh, one with him to me kind of signals that they're not necessarily on the same page um, and there have been rumors already this season about teams like the Orlando Magic being interested in DeMar DeRozan so I think if someone does get moved on that team it's him I think that they just stand pat I think that right now the team that they have is good enough to get to the playoffs they just have to work out the kinks and I just can't see San Antonio selling at this point I think that you know they know they have a team that's capable of getting to the playoffs, and I think that with Greg Popovich as your head coach, you're always going to have a chance in a seven-game series. So I, I don't see them making. If anything, it's a move to bring somebody in. I'm not exactly sure what that move would be, but I can't see them selling. If you're Demar Derozan, and the rumors are that you're going to the Orlando Magic, I'm rolling into RC Buford's office and saying, "There's no way you can trade me there. Not because I don't want to play for Orlando, but I just don't want to wear those." ugly city jerseys that they have down there in the magic city uh before we get out of here i want to talk a little bit of fantasy and i want to be honest here i could care less about fantasy sports but i know you guys are listening at home do so uh our expert fantasy expert kyle irving who wrote something on nba.com guys you should pick up guys you should drop we're at that point in the season where you're there's a lot of injuries there's some suspensions i know i have on our office fantasy team, I have DeAndre Ayton. I can't play him until like mid-December because got popped first game of the season, four PEDs. Um, you know, every time I get an alert for my team, there's someone coming in and out of the lineup, whether it's Tristan Thompson, whether it's Ennis Cantor, Patrick Beverly, uh, you name it. All my my entire roster is hurt. So Kyle's going to be here to help us sell. He's a fantasy doctor. Breathe some life back into your team. Kyle, who do you have? Number one at the top of the list, I got Evan Fournier, and that's became even more relevant with uh, Nikola Vucevic going down with an ankle injury. He's expected to be out for a month. And I noted that Fournier was someone that you probably should have added even before the Vucevic injury. Um, he's been red hot lately. You know, he's averaging 21 points per game. He's dishing out assists. He's grabbing rebounds. He's, you know, steals, making threes, which is big for fantasy. Um, I like what he's doing a lot. And now, especially with 
Vucevic expected to miss some time. Aaron Gordon also went down with an ankle injury. It's unclear if he'll miss time or not, but whether he does or not, uh, Evan Fournier is a key piece of that offense. I like him a lot. He's available in 50% of ESPN leagues, uh, almost 30% of Yahoo leagues. So he's someone that could be available. You got to act on him quick, though, especially with that Vucevic injury. I also like Bogdan Bogdanovich. He was someone that I drafted in both of my leagues. Uh, heading into this season. I ended up dropping him because his production wasn't there at the beginning of the year. But when Darren Fox went down with that injury, it was kind of like, all right, so they need someone to step up, up step up in that playmaker role. Bogdanovich did a lot of it at the FIBA Basketball World Cup for Serbia this year. And I think that that actually helped him a lot stepping into this role with the Sacramento Kings. He's another player who's available in a lot of leagues. And he's been fantastic since uh, Darren Fox went down with that injury. Again, another player. He's averaging 21 points per game, eight assists. He has a double-double with dishing out 10 assists once Fox went down. The very first game after Fox went down, he's been impressive. He's another player that I think that if he's available in your league, I don't care who it is, that guy that's you know kind of the tweener on your roster, but drop him, pick up Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's going to be great for this month that Darren Fox is out. Another player that you know, he's more of just a fun player to have on your team. And there's probably a Carmelo Anthony fan, diehard Carmelo Anthony fan in the league <laughs> somewhere that right when they heard that he was coming to the Portland Trailblazers, right. they went and added him right away. And I think right. that, you know, he's a player that he's not necessarily going to help a lot of categories on your team. He's not going to help you in field goal percentage. He's not going to help you with assists. But if you need double doubles, you need rebounds, you need points, he's going to have plenty of an opportunity in Portland to do both of those things and pick up double doubles potentially. Uh, just know that your field goal percentage is at risk uh, for deep cut leagues like 12 to 14 team leagues or you know if you're like Carlin and you got DeAndre Ayton sitting on your bench and you can't put him in the IR spot because he's suspended and you need someone to fill in at the center position I don't I, first of all I don't even know why I ended up with DeAndre Ayton on my team I, I, I'm, I don't know how that happened was that auto draft what was I doing because I wasn't sitting in the office when you guys drafted them you were online I was on I was online but yeah. I don't remember actively saying to myself man i can't wait to get yandre Ayton on my team he's a good ad he's a good ad he hasn't been good for me <laughs> he's only played one game played one game <laughs> i think he's leading the league in blocks uh, blocks per game with that's, three that's so great <laughs> if we were if we were doing by averages i'd be i'd be in first place i think i'm second to last right now getting I like, crushed i uh, i like jackson hayes to fill in at center Derek favors has been out with back spasms uh jackson hayes already was kind of starting to work his way into more playing time he's a rookie in new orleans uh, he was an elite shot blocker at Texas last year in the NCAA. He could pick up that category, which could be tough to come by sometimes. And lastly, a player that, again, in a deep cut league, 12 teams, 14 teams, whatever it may be, I'm not saying this is a going at him right away player like Evan Fournier or like uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, but Terrence Davis has been playing awesome for the Raptors. And, Scott, I think you could speak to that as well just because you just wrote something on NBA.com about Terrence Davis and how awesome he's been for Toronto. But he's really stepping up and he's starting to get more playing time, and he's a player that might be worth watching on your fantasy team. Scott wrote the great piece. I'm going to cut Scott off because I don't think our listeners want to listen to a deep dive on Terrence Davis. But you could read about Terrence Davis on NBA.com. If you're a Raptor fan, I'm sure you've already read it. Um, the weekend's coming up. What are you guys looking forward to this weekend? We got uh, Jimmy Butler's return to Philly on Saturday. Um, and then we got two two potential MVP candidates going head-to-head in Luka Doncic and James Harden on Sunday. I would say I'm most excited to see Jimmy Butler in Philly. I think this is a big game for both of those teams. I think Philly should be. It doesn't seem like Josh Richardson is going to miss a ton of time with that hip injury. He almost played last night, so it seems like he should be back for that game. It's a big gut check game for Philly. I think that... You know, that's a chance for them to prove, all right, this is a hot team. Let's knock them off. But it's also a chance for Miami to prove we're legit. And you know Jimmy Butler is going to come to play against his old team. I'm looking forward to seeing the Phoenix Suns on a back-to-back. They play 
in on Saturday against the Timberwolves on the road. Then they have to travel to Denver to play on the road against the Nuggets. That, to me, is going to be a tough test, probably the toughest test of the season for them so far. I think we'll truly find out how good this team is and if they are a playoff team. If they're a playoff team, I think they split at least split those games. They're not. They go 0-2, and those are the type of games that they're going to have to step up and win. And by the way, they play the Pelicans uh, on, on Thursday night. They have played the Pelicans on Thursday night. So that kick started their weekend. And uh, for... Everyone here on NBA Sound System, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, for Kyle Irving, Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay. A reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at NBA Sound System. That's where you can go and let us know if you actually want that deep dive on Terrence Davis the second. <laughs> in the meantime, you go to NBA.com, read all of our articles. Kyle is the, M- the MVP when it comes to fantasy. Scott, like I said, gave you that deep dive on Terrence Davis. You can go read that. It's a great article. And we'll have you covered all weekend long and also throughout the season with everything at or in around the NBA. You're listening to NBA Sound System. Thanks for doing it. <laughs>